gone now. It's oh, all okay. You wound him. You... It's okay. I, I, you can be friends anyway. I, I was such a fan, Adam, and <laughs> now I'm I'm rethinking my my, my stance. We'll talk more in a second here. Yeah, right. I think we're. I I'm pretty sure the live has engaged. Uh, looks <clears> like, and I just got a notification. Yeah. Okay. We're live, everybody. And welcome. It's Wednesday night here on Live Long and Podcast. And that means Ted Mater has rewatched an episode of the original series. And uh, we're here to talk about the f- episode 11 from the first season, Miri, from 1966, as part of the Ted Trek 60s TV rewatch podcast. I'm Dave Mater, joined with Jeff Mater and esteemed panelists Jody Simpson and Adam Woodward. How are you guys doing? Good evening. Doing great. I'm good. And Dad, Ted Mater, how are you doing? Good, and we're here to talk about Miri, as mentioned. Uh, so every week here on the we talk about an episode of the original series, and sometimes I watch an episode I've never seen before because, I, 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 as it turns out, I have not seen every episode of the original series, and this was among them. And um, and so we're going to just get into that uh, tonight because uh, you know, hey, it's always nice when I can get watch something new in Star Trek. But uh, let's let's go to Jody first. Jody, what did you think of Miri? Uh, to keep it as family friendly as possible, uh, it was bad. That's that's a. I I could go on, but that pretty much. No, go on. I I can't wait. (laughs) This is okay. Honestly, what the hell were they thinking? Like this is like Lord of the Flies meets like the Special Olympics. This is just this is this is terrible. This is terrible. I, I it's just I can't and no offense I I'm 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 kidding obviously and just I have nothing but respect for the Special Olympics but anyway the like the writing's terrible this is like McCoy's lines every every line in, that McCoy says in this in this episode is pure garbage there's one episode that has there's one set of lines that he says it's eight times in like two sentences. It's like it's it's metamorphous and and it's 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 alive and it, it just keeps saying it's it is like you could have it's bingo and already win like it, it's 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 this everything about this episode the only thing good about this entire episode is the guy that played the bum in Scrooged is in this episode yeah that's the guy John I told you about last week that's uh, who yeah. that is Michael J Pollard Michael yes Michael J Pollard yeah he's yeah. great. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff, but I, I know him from Scrooge as being like the, the homeless guy in Scrooge that ended up dying eventually. Um, That's but, who that is. Uh, he yeah. looks like he's 45, but he's supposed to be a child, right? Well, and he has that cherub face, right? Like he's got that like, you know, baby cherub face. That, and I think that's really what he was known for. Uh, he was also, um, um, I can't remember the other movie that he was in that was really popular, but he was he was in a lot of stuff. And the girl that plays Miri in this was the original girl from True Grit. So the original John Wayne True Grit, uh, which I'm a big fan of. I love that movie. She was also in Teen Wolf 2. Was she? I didn't know that. Uh, more Who was she in Teen Wolf 2? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But... She must okay. have been like a mom or something at that point. Let's go to the man who suggested this episode, uh, Adam Woodward. How are you doing? Yeah. Okay, Adam, I, I, you're a fan of this episode. As mentioned, you were excited to get into this one, and you were suggested it. So don't let Jody tell you your I, episode's I'm not good. I'm surprised at Jody's response, because I, I love this episode. I thought it was it was oh. fantastic. Yeah, I, like, I, just, I remember it as a kid. It was just as good. Um, you've, got, you've got plague going on. You've got... 
What was your childhood like, Adam? <laughs> I you dealt with a lot of grups. I, I kid, but still, like, wow. yeah, yeah. Like the, the <laughs> ugly virus on the arms. There was a couple troubling things, I have to say, watching it as an adult. Um, the relationship between Miri and Captain Kirk. Oh yeah, I haven't even started to get into that yet. <laughs> yeah, we will. And, and and also, I I I emailed uh, Dave and and you know, remind the Captain, I've always wanted you to look at my legs. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, <laughs> look at them now. You know, you guys are familiar with Logan's Run, right? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, I, only this fan. year. I, I'm a big fan of Logan's Run. Actually, my yeah. wife made me watch it for the first time this year. So I'm recently actually. Acquainted. Yeah, I think we discussed this recently, didn't we, Dave? Yeah. If, uh, Run. if science fiction took place in se inside a '70s mall, then yep. it would be yeah. That's a very good summary, actually. I like New York, great movie. Anyway, uh, and Peter Ustinov. But long and short, that <clears throat> the whole you know killing off the adults or just living until your youth is over happens in this Mary, Mary, Mary episode as well. And I, I just, you know, eternal um, childhood, you get to play forever. I, I, I liked it. I, I think it was a great episode. And I'm sorry, you know, that I mean, there was some, I mean, yeah, we'll get to, I'll get to more of that in a second. Let's hear the other guys. Yeah, I want to get to that. Yes, I have questions. Yeah. Uh, but oh, well, I got questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's let's go to Dad next. Dad, uh, Dad uh, what did you think of uh, this episode? Well, I think Jody hit it on the on the um, on the. Go close to the mic. Lord of the flies. Move, move your mic. Lord of the flies. This this movie this episode is the Lord of the flies. Um, and and that guy the 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 guy you named that was in the other shows he was like Piggy I think his name was right. And that was no, he Piggy was the oh, kid they killed in Lord oh, of the Flies. Oh, Piggy got killed. Yeah, it's the other guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, who, who was Jack. There? Jack. Jack. He's the guy with the conch. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, so it was kind of <laughs> like Lord of the Flies, like you say, meets Star Trek. And uh, these kids, uh, and I think these kids were actually in another episode. Some of them. Uh, there's another episode with a bunch of kids in it, and I believe they were in the same. Some of the same kids. Uh, especially that one guy that was always like kind of wanting to beat up Kirk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the thing with the, these kids is that uh, they kind of uh, seem smart, but they weren't that smart. So uh, the, the captain and the, the Enterprise guys out, outsmarted them. Yeah, they got them. They knew the terrain. Jeff, what and do you think of Miri? One last thing is with the virus on, in, in hand right now in the world, that we're fighting, it's kind of uh, it's kind of related, <laughs> right? It's pandemic. It's pandemic relevant. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, that was what I, where I was gonna go with this episode. Uh, to me, it has nothing to do with the Lord of the Flies. It has more to do with um, protesting and um, basically allowing uh, the herd mentality to lead your group astray and not listen to reason. Um, that's kind of like what the to me the uh, that was the moral of the story. That's the point of the episode. It's not the moral of the story. The more you know, the moral of the story is you know, uh, Kirk is trying to you know get get across him. He says it in like the, fi the in the final few moments of the episode. Like if you look at the blood on your hands, like look if you don't listen to me, you're gonna end up just like the grups. Like you're gonna just you're gonna be exactly what you claim to hate. Those are the, the main like themes and points of, of the story now having said that 
the majority of the episode is super silly, super stupid as far as the acting goes. Uh, you know, like it's 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 ridiculous. Like some of the like it's also borderline creepy. Like there are some borderline creepy moments in this episode. borderline. They're past borderline. The, they're very pretty. Uh, to when he first oh Gary god and, and the. The moments with the yeah, the, I just want you to look at my legs, and he's hugging her, and it just everything going on with Kirk in this episode. I'm kind of cheering for the kids, but at the same time, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you know, but what's going on with the uniforms? That's the other thing I took away out of this episode. The uniforms. By the end of the episode, Kirk's wearing a blanket. <laughs> he's wearing a poncho. It's true. Well. My my read on that was that they've been down there for six to seven days um, in the same clothes, so they're sort of like getting disheveled and loosened. And that uh, that we can't hear mic, you. We can't hear you with the with the mic. He ripped his arms off, uh, uh, He ripped his arms from the the shirt to uh, show the the kids his. Um, yeah, the arms. He's like, oh. Yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 the virus. Wow, Dave, we did that in unison. That was pretty no, nice. We did. Was, I like that. Yeah, we should we should start a synchronized swimming league or something. Yeah, you gotta do the the Kirk. Yeah. I got the disease. Adam, I have my first question for this episode is that they respond to this. They're brought to this planet because it's a uh, got a distress signal. It's over a hundred light years from Earth, and it's a exact copy of Earth. Same mass, circumference, density, atmosphere, even the topography is identical. And, and what it a in the sixties. What a coincidence! Come on, this Star is Trek not explained. This is not resolved in any way. They're just like, what a coincidence! These are How the things, funny! These are the things to me that are silly and stupid about this episode. You know, like where they yeah they get onto the planet and then like everything's very convenient. Like they're kids, but they're three hundred years old, so it's not as weird as you think it is. And it's just all these different co- like you know things that just kind of work out for like you know what's going on because even they knew it was kind of messed up. I think like what they were writing, so they had to find a way to like bring it around and and make it work out. That's that's what I took out of it anyway. It's just like they ha- they had a set and they're like, but they don't have to make it an exact duplicate of Earth no. to you yeah. Know, that, okay. <laughs> now, now that you said it that way, no, it, it didn't need to be an Earth, but you know what? I, I I forgot about that part. Like, but you know, before you know, five minutes into it, we're beyond that. Let's get on to the episode. Okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna forgive the fact that it looks exactly like Earth right down to. I know you saw the Great Lakes. That, you go there. I saw Nova Scotia. Honestly, I was like, oh, they have a Nova that's Scotia. That's the least too. of the problems in this episode. Is that <laughs> right? And when they get down there, it's uh, they get down to the planet. It's like a, it's like abandoned, but it looks. They they quickly figure out that it's 1960. Uh, what Spock does, uh, he's like, this is exactly like 1960. Very specific. I think um, he was a little uh, too far in that. You know, I, I thought it was like 1955 personally. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, I think you can challenge Spock's scientific yes. uh, assertions here. But it's there's not a lot going down there, but they figure out that it's been decaying as much. These kids uh, that <clears throat> turn out to be the survivors of this plague are have been around for 300 years. But the guy, uh, while McCoy is looking at an old tricycle, um, the first they meet the first victim of this disease. And um i don't know if we ever get a name for him he, they call him the creature but um my second question is he's got the um, the lesions right are uh, the uh, the uh, um is that what they're called like just like the, all the skin conditions sure why not but 
on his stomach, he doesn't. It's all completely bare. I don't know if you noticed that while he's laying down and rolling over there, but uh, I he, didn't. But okay, that seemed a bit odd. Did anyone? But did anyone else catch that? No. Nope. I would say based on your based on your description, I'd say that is odd. I didn't notice it, but it's yeah, that is kind of odd considering it's you know all over their arms and their faces and everything. But he did make a really nice tackle. He couldn't get a job for the Bears. True. Um, <laughs> yes, and he dies from the disease. But because I no, guess he, he doesn't die from the, but he may die from the disease. But also after Kirk hits him three times, yeah, he's, right. he got a shit kicking too. Like let's let's be honest, he, it was just pow, and then he picks him back up again. Pow, picks him up again. Pow, like yeah. What's wrong with the phaser? You know, set to stun, but you know he goes, you know, beating the crap out of him. Uh, Kirk's got to kick some ass. That's you know he was letting out some frustration. I think. He uses it on Eleanor or whatever her name is later on. He uses the phaser then. Yeah. He's less punchy at that point. But it killed, but it killed Eleanor. Killed Eleanor. So, but it would have killed this guy too, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then they kind of realize that they have this disease, that um, they they have limited time, and they, they find Miri, who's the title character of this episode. The one that Kirk will go on to sort of be making eyes at. Oh no. my! Oh, okay. Is this Sorry. just for his mission? Is he doing? Is he um, using his charm on her to get something out of her, or is it more than that? Are, are you I'm asking with more than that? I'm. A, it's an open question. <laughs> it's an open question. Uh, I I think that he is. He knows his charm, and he knows what he can do with it, and he's trying to get an answer. He's the captain. He's gonna. He's, he needs an answer. I need answers. And he yeah. realizes this relationship with her is advantageous to his mission. Correct. You know, like I don't think there's any secret that Captain Kirk or, or even Commander Riker will will do what it takes to, to to get the mission done. I have never seen Riker hit on a little girl like that. Oh. It is. Oh come well, on! How old man. is she? How old is this? Is, is well, she she's this? supposed to be like three hundred years old or something like that. No, no, I mean, but in the, the actress at the time, but in real life, like let's be honest, she's probably around fourteen. She's to born 16, in forty-seven, so she's twenty years old in this yeah. episode. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like nineteen to twenty. Yeah. Nineteen wow. to twenty. So she's very young, but technically an adult. So. But yeah, yeah that, that that did feel wrong, especially uh, there was like creepy fuck me eyes the whole time. It was oh, it's, <laughs> it's wrong. <Yeah. laughs> like, oh. like from twenty twenty standards, probably even like nineteen seventy seven standards, it were it was off. It was, but uh, you know, you know, beyond that, again, like it's just the you know, I, I you know, that, here's a couple things for me is. You know, McCoy goes right to the lab, you know, oh, yeah, we can take you to the doctor's office. And he shows, you know, the old the microscope and, and Spock makes fun of him from that. And, you know, oh, it uses light and a uh, refraction mirror. You know, well, why can't you just beam down a whatever you need, you know, get it done. But, uh, you know, it was very, very interesting. They're right into the into the notes. Even the red shirts are looking at the notes, figuring out what's happened here. Let's let's get a history built up. You know, and and he starts working on the on the case. You know, when he's got all the the fire going and the tubes and the test tubes, and it, you know, you know, you know, McCoy's role here is to solve a problem. Like you know, yeah. and he went right into the into the uh, the scientist role to do that. I thought that he, you know, and he's figuring it out. So I mean, as you're you're figuring things out, yes, you're gonna you know bl blather, I guess, but um, 
anyway, I, I, I quite enjoyed that that part of it, the lab part of it. I, I you know, I love I love the security guys that are always out finding things. You know, the security but, guys are like even more useless in this episode than they are in most. Like it's <clears throat> it, they're just really useless in this. I was they literally do nothing that's helpful. They no, they, they don't, and which makes it even like this is the red shirt episode to me. But they didn't die to your point. Yeah. You know, because they're just running around, you know, do this, do that. Go check the go check the street. Okay. Well, and every time there's like something like that's a threat, they're literally either not there or they're just standing back. Like they're not doing anything. It's like, wow, they must have like the best job in the world, man. They sure weren't guarding those communicators. They weren't guarding <laughs> anything. Yeah. Like the only thing they are guarding is like offset somewhere. Like that's <laughs> they're guarding. Yeah. And and Janice Rand, who I think is worth mentioning and, and, and addressing uh, like she's only in the first season of this show. Yeah. Uh, this is an episode that features her pretty prominently. And as mentioned, I have not yes, seen this before, so. but this did not endear her to me uh, more. So I would say her particular character. Did anyone Did, uh, didn't make me want her to live? That's for sure. Why do you say that, Dave? Why don't you like her? Her scenes with Kirk um, in particular, look at my legs. Um, I don't know. It's just, I, I'm not even quite sure why she's on the away mission. Um, when yeah. she's running, when she's running, her skirt needs to be about a little bit longer. I, you know, just because when she's running around, it's basically she's running around in her underwear. Um, and um, what that's that's a minor point, but it's just her. It's not what they uh, they they do this commonly in the original series where the women are the are very afraid and wow. Kirk has to sort of sixties television and, like yeah, but. It's like when she says, I always wanted you to look at my legs, then I was like, okay, well, you're then you are trying to sort of get him to notice you like in that way. That's not and how I so, did that scene. the way I took that scene was like she was like traumatized because she realized she had a disease and she thought she was gonna die. And I think she was just like trying to find like a moment of like norm normality with Kirk and was trying, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's how I took the scene. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I would agree with that. I had a hard time understanding why Miri was jealous at first. I was like, what is she upset about? Or... I thought Miri was crazy the whole episode. I thought she was like literally psychotically insane. If they if they meant to do that though, like yeah, I'm I'm with you. If they wrote it that way, that would have been way better. Like if they made it way more noticeable. But it, it's it's almost like she's got an attraction to him and and he literally is doing nothing to stop it. He's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll play with this little girl. I don't give a fuck. Right. And it's like that. Everything about that just screams wrong for me. Um, you know, so it's that's that's the biggest thing that bothered me is honestly, if you took Miri out of this and you put, let's say, a guy in the same place, this would be a little bit different. So, dad, it's. Being being um, the oldest one here, yes. and being that you are you would have been a contemporary of some of these younger children at least uh, that are in this episode who are supposedly from Earth Two or some kind of duplicate Earth from the nineteen sixties which you grew up in. Right. So so this could have been you. You could have been the kid who stopped aging and then grew up Lord of the Flies style for three hundred years, but not really. Um, do you expect you'd be well adjusted? Like these kids, or are they even well adjusted? Do you like because Kirk just leaves them and he says, I sent teachers, I sent whatever, like they'll be fine. It's an entire planet, and they found one little pocket of people in, in like, in I don't know, in the Wild West saloon area or of, of Kansas in this ghost town, yeah, this ghost town of Kansas City. Um, 
So, Near Vasquez Rocks, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, I never really thought about it that way as, as uh, you know, us being affected with this disease or anything like that. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, Well, is that, do you think that that's maybe why they picked this setting so that the people watching this episode could relate more closely with these kids? Because particularly the kids watching it? Uh, maybe uh, this could be me. I could have been for 300 years, and I don't like how they survive for 300 years is completely. I don't get either because they they still have to eat, right? Like they said that they still need food, and like that's still a concern. Yeah, and like where's their food sources in this scenario? These are the parts of this of the the old Star Trek where they they didn't care about the logistics. They didn't think like yeah. Dave. They just they just thought we want to do a, an episode with kids that are 300 years old in like a wild west like dystopian universe and then they would just like go you know like, like i don't think they thought was oh. this was this one written by roddenberry oh that's what i have to find it's one it's one of the first episodes he produced uh he didn't write it okay. it was written by write adrian it. spies that surprises me because this seems like something he would totally be into like roddenberry was always into this kind of kind of weird shit so yeah, this was um, uh, this. He only wrote this episode. It seems the the guy who wrote it. Yeah, yeah, the guy who wrote this only wrote this one. Hmm. Oh, then maybe that's the reason. <clears throat> okay, but so this is a sorry. Go go ahead. Adam. My my question though for you, for you guys. I mean, when as as the illness is progressing and these guys are getting more tense and you know they're it's spreading up their arms and on their faces and up their necks, whatever. Not in their stomachs, but uh, don't. You, I thought they played the tension really well. I thought that, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you know, you, you could see the the sense of urgency. You could see the sense that they were very tired and maybe had not been eating well. I mean, I don't know why you can't be down food again, but um, it, it just felt like it, 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 there was definitely um, they played that very well to me. You know, I, I felt like they were there was tense moments. Um, and then you come into the, the scene where Kirk goes into the room with all the kids and, you know, bunk, bunk on the head. And then they all pile on him, you know, <laughs> it was just fun too. And then he emerges with like, you know, his, his shirt ripped and you cut down his cheek and, uh, and blood coming out of his ear. Yeah. yeah. And, it's and, like, where'd that come from? <laughs> but, you know, and, and I mean, at least they didn't go so far as where he, you know, he threw a kid across the room, but he didn't hit anybody. Thank God. I would have loved to see that. That would yeah. have been amazing if he started flying kids around. That would have been amazing. Well, he did. He did throw one kid. It did. Yeah. Actually, it was pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really have. I don't have an issue with the content of the episode. Like the the storyline is fairly intriguing. Sorry. It's just the mirror relationship. I really. It's the relationship is really what kills me. Uh, and, and the, the Earth terrible people. writing. Like the dialogue in this episode is yeah. just. Like, yeah, I get it. It's season one, but there was better episodes in season one than this one, for sure. The performances uh, are rough, guys, in this episode, especially Kirk. Uh, until the end, I think he kind of pulls it together at the end. But, yeah. But the yeah. majority of the episode, Kirk's overacting is painful. And not only that, but then you mix the creepy vibe with it. Right. And you mix the almost pedo vibe going on, and you, you got a surefire cringe. Like, it's... Like I get it. This is this was in the '60s. We're we're a different audience. 
than what this was entitled for. Um, like, and, and actually Dave is probably a perfect example of that. David, Dave is always looking for the intricacies of the story and, and the sets and stuff like that, which is something that we're used to, you know, with next gen going forward. Right. Um, but you know, this is, this is a different time and, and, you know, they were making it differently and all that. But the, the, the biggest issue here really for me is Miri. Um, it's if, if you take Miri out, this is a mediocre episode, but you keep Miri in there and this is, this is one of the worst. I, I honestly, Adam, I, I have respect for you. I, um, you know, I've always been pretty good with your, your comments. Uh, very rarely do I disagree with you. Um, this one I'm definitely disagreeing with you on. I, I, I don't get it. And I don't think age wise, we're all that far apart. So it's, it's no, surprising I, to me. I, I do. I do. And I think I said it when I started today, that, that, bothered me more than i remember it bothering me a long time ago when i watched it and, and you know what T 20 years ago 30 years ago maybe it wouldn't be as much of an issue for us yeah. uh but you know it, it's you know we're we're re-watching this this is the whole point you know and and dave and i both never saw this episode first like we we've you know, Dave was saying yeah. this is the first time he's ever seen it. I've this is the first time I've ever seen it. If they started with this episode and this is the first episode I ever watched a Star Trek, I would never carry on. Like I would be done. I'd be like, "Fuck this, I'm done." This is not like, great for Captain Kirk's rep. Um, yeah, even though, like, yeah. He, Captain Kirk though, he, he's not a nice guy. Like I, I don't ever believe that. I think he he does and takes advantage of things to make it work for Captain Kirk. And and that plays yeah. out right through all the series, all the movies. It what, what works for Kirk works for Kirk. Well, he's very he's very self absorbed in his own little bubble, right? Like yeah. he's he's always you know he's always trying to do it really for him and his crew, and but it's really him first before anything. And his ship, yeah, and his ship, of course, yeah. And then the crew, yeah. Um, Kirk ship crew. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, like okay, like like, and the whole thing with Miri, I think it's just because she's supposed to be playing somebody who hasn't hit puberty yet, right? That's yeah. the whole yeah, that's premise. The, that's the problem I have with this. No, if no. they approach me with, this is a 20-year-old, well, maybe not right. so bad. Yeah. But it's oh, about the glands developing, they but told she us. Doesn't look, she doesn't look like she's 19 or 20. She looks like she's 13 in the show. Right. And she also Absolutely. looks and acts like that, too. Yeah. So that that's... Yeah, that part is pretty not great. I think that the premise of the episode, and I think in particular, like how they deal with like the stress of being this, having this disease, is good. I think yeah. that the dynamic yeah. between Kirk, Spock, McCoy is is good in those ways. Them having to solve this problem, um, I, all that all all of that tracks pretty well. Like the kids themselves, Kirk with kids is always weird to me. Like there's another episode which we haven't watched yet, but there's one where like these kids about. have been like taken over and they're doing the the doot, 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 right. Yeah. And Kirk loves to do like he, him with kids is odd. He loves to pick up kids by like the arms and like swing them around for no apparent reason. Like um, you know, yeah, he picks and then him he, up like he's moving furniture. Basically. He uh, he's moving furniture yeah. and then he puts it yeah. down and then and then but I don't know what he's doing. Like the choreography is very strange. Is this but um yeah less kirk with kids i'd say he's not, it's he doesn't come across like a better and that, and that kid with a hammer was the creepiest of the entire thing yeah oh yeah this is the kid we left uh, uh behind oh when these federation teachers show up don't worry this crazy deranged 300 year old 12 year old is not going to bash your brain in with a hammer or <laughs> yeah yeah what's the line he keeps saying over and over again bonk bonk on the head bonk bonk, bonk. bonk on the head yeah that's it 
Yeah, it's uh, uh, again. I don't. I don't really have a problem with the story. I don't really have. A, I, I have a problem with the dialogue because the dialogue is very poorly written. Uh, both Kirk and and McCoy for sure. Spock is barely used at all. Um, at least his lines aren't too bad. Um, but it's kind of hard to screw up Spock. Let's be honest. Um, but it, it's just the fact that they're telling me that she's about to hit puberty or she's going through puberty right now is really the nail on the coffin in this episode. The minute I heard that, I'm like, oh, this is just getting gross. Like it was to a point, honestly, I turned it off halfway and then I'm like, oh fuck, I'll just finish it. Fine. But I was cringing the whole time. Like it's what, such a cringy thing. Yeah. But, and they, they explained it away at the end was I don't get involved with older women and, and so it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it feels yeah. like it does. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And he's um, the yeoman, too, which we already know, like, he's going to jump on her any chance he gets, like, already. So, yeah, I don't need her in this show uh, either. I'm glad that she wasn't around. No, they didn't either. Season. That's why they got rid of her. Uh, I, I was missing Uhura. Like, they had this other guy, like, uh, in, a, in a gold yeah, shirt. No, running the... no Uhura in this entire episode for some reason. Yeah, it's running communications. Uh, yeah. I don't know who that this guy weird. is. But... That guy was real weird. That guy. He's a weird looking guy, isn't he? Yeah. A little I bit of creeper know. there too. Yeah. Got a bit of a creepy vibe from him as well. Yeah, I don't know what the. Yeah, I, I thought he was up to something, but he didn't end up being up to anything. So, yeah. <laughs> this is a fifty-minute episode that easily thirty minutes of it you're spent cringing. <laughs> like that's really what it is. Okay. It's all right. Just for the beauty of this, you know, it, it's it's worth it. Honestly, watching you guys react to this is fantastic. <laughs> Well, honestly, like when I first started the episode, like and, and you, they start into it, I'm 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 getting into it. I'm like, this is pretty good. And then McCoy starts talking, and instantly I'm like, okay, well, this isn't getting as good, but that's fine. We'll keep going. And then literally, once Barry shows up, you're just like, oh, <laughs> like it's oh, you know. And then when you see the kids, like the group of kids, especially with um, uh, what's his name, uh, Michael. Dowell or whatever. Um, John. John Pollard. John Pollard. Sorry, excuse me. Um, but uh, with his cherub face, and he's already creepy looking as it is. And he's like, playing. He's one of the kids. Kid. He's yeah, one he's, of the guys going through puberty. You're telling me? Yeah. Like this guy's got this big military, you know, sh jacket on. And, you know, he's obviously older than everyone else there. Like there's no <laughs> he question. Looks older than Kirk. He looks older than Shatner yeah. in this episode. <laughs> Shatner actually looks younger than him in this episode. Yeah. We're kind but, of fun facts, but he was uh, 27 uh, at the time of yeah. this filming. I don't know how old Shatner was. How old was Shatner? Uh, 35, maybe. He would have been 35 ish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Just, you would, I honestly thought you were playing it. You're playing some sort of cruel joke on us, Adam. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, uh, uh, wow. And then you tell this me, this episode like it, is like, beloved. Wow. Like, like Adam's not the only one who likes this episode. This is considered to be one of the most classic original series episodes. It's just one I've never watched. And, um, you know, I don't think it's terrible, but I think that we've watched other episodes that I'd say are is better than this, like that is that, no. that is less notable. At least three quarters of the episodes we've seen are better than this. Listen, I, I got to say to you again, when things happen in this episode, I, my wife was with me and I said, did that just happen? And and then when she had left the room, when he, when Janice Rand was talking about her legs and I go, oh, my God, Callie, come back. You got to see the scene. Like, yeah. like, like, first of all, oh, I would right. love to hear a female what impression of this, of this. I would love to know this. What? 
she must have thought this was creepy too. Like she just burst out laughing when she saw that scene. But like, yeah. like, like honestly, what is the role of a yeoman? You know, is it the yeah, captain? She's the assistant to the captain, essentially. Right, but what do they do? Like, why is she fucking there? It's really, and I think Dave was the one that mentioned that. It's like, <laughs> what well, was her to be here? Like, was she the She holds the tricorder while he's doing the captain's log. No, no, I guess. I guess she's there, guys. Yeoman is there because the rest of them are dudes, and Kirk needs to have a girl with him because Kirk needs a, 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 an available avenue that something he might have sex with. If if it's not working out <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> And hug or kiss or do something with, and that's why you. That's I'm not going down to that planet without a woman. <laughs> it's know? like, what if I'm trapped there for a while? That's a, that's good. Have sex, is, guys. Come on. Higher reason for yeoman. I don't know. I, I don't see <laughs> so basically, what you're saying is he's she's literally like his fuck toy that he brings around with him. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's a good theory. <laughs> I always thought she was just the assistant, but well, did I, did I tell you guys? I was I'm listening to. Um... A pod, uh, audible book on Star Trek. I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, it doesn't matter. Anyway, it starts off with this captain <clears throat> that just got promoted, and he gets a, a, a letter, an email letter from from Captain Kirk. And Captain Kirk goes, "You know, one of the best things about being a captain is you get a yeoman and make sure she's blonde." You know, and this is in this. You know, book that, that sounds written. awfully familiar to me. I think I said it before a few weeks ago. Oh, have you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's again, it stood with me. Here we are in 2020, and you know the biggest thing on Star Trek is that you, get, as a captain, you get a you know a sexy yeoman. Well, there you go. Jeff's Jeff's got it spot on then. No, seriously, it's uh, I gotta check that. Pro, Prometheus, I think it's called, but um, yeah, it's bizarre. Wow. Especially yeah. in this episode, I'm not surprised that yeoman's in it because um, he's. His love interest in the episode is a 19-year-old girl, but she, I don't know if, what age she's supposed to be on, like in the in the story. I'm guessing like 15 or 16. And even Kirk is like, like kind of like this is wrong, but oh, I'm horny, you know. And and it's also self-serving for his mission. Yes, he has yeah. to, to self-serving for. He's acting like he needs to do it, even though he doesn't. <laughs> and, and, and then and then he has Yobin, and then when Yobin gets the disease, he's like, "Okay." I mean, he's almost patronizing her, and I think that was the end of Yobin. <laughs> like Kirk was like, "Get rid of her at the end of the season. <laughs> we'll just have newer, hotter girls in season two and three, or something." I don't know. <laughs> well, season two, literally, like every every villain has some girl he falls in love with, anyway. So it's yeah, I guess it kind of defeats the purpose of having her around all the time. The only thing I think I want to touch on in terms of the plot. Oh, sorry, Dad, go ahead. No, I was just saying he had to tell her when that she was becoming a young woman. And see, she had this teenage infatuation on the first guy who ever said she was good looking or nice or everything like that. So you got to look at it from her side of things, not just from the dirty old man. She was in love with Kirk because no one ever said anything like that to her before. They all hated the older people. So yeah, well. But Young yeah. girls have crushes. Yeah, that makes sense. No, we get it. We get where she was coming from. We get it. It's the Kirk side that's the issue. <laughs> I don't feel bad for. Uh, I I don't feel bad for how Miri was. Like you know, she, she kind of did what really she probably would have done. Like it it makes sense. It's it's the it's the awkwardness of the Kirk relationship. Again, that was he's the, the captain thing. of a starship. He's a, yeah. He he's not. He's and not, according to Jeff, he's got like portable tail with him all the time anyway. So like, what the <laughs> fuck does he need to do this for? That's what the yeoman is. <laughs> That's 
I guess that's what, yeah. And that guy wearing the football helmet, really, that, that's got to be the worst thing ever. <laughs> that guy wearing the, the football, football helmet. helmet. Yeah, one of the kids. One yeah, of the kids, one of the kids yeah. has the football helmet on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the old leather style, right? Sorry, but could they have made Mary look more dirty? I mean, she is sure. filthy. Her like her face. They were just like, here, this is some dirt. You show. haven't had a bath or a shower in three hundred years. That's what you're supposed to look like. Yeah, like I mean, she just like the makeup is. Just well, and if this is a duplicate of Earth, and in reality, then we would we would assume that the same food sources are available, the same you know bodies of water are available that can be filtered or whatever. Like, how are these kids sustaining themselves? Like I would have loved to seen that. They don't really even tackle it, do they? Like they, did, they just had food. Did left they? Over. Yeah. Oh, they just had food left over. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it still doesn't make any sense though. Three hundred years of food left over. Eh. No. Yeah. Seems like a long. Time. Must be Twinkies. That's the only thing I can think of. It's probably the Twinkies. Uh, yeah, Twinkies got a good shelf life. <clears throat> the whole concept though of kids, you know, having to live alone and organize their own society, and like it would have been great to do more of more exploration of that, that side of the episode, because, you know, how, how did they survive, you know, playing, playing whatever games forever. And, you know, even I talked about, you guys talked about uh, Lord of the Flies. I talked about um, Logan's run, which yeah. was way more organized, but there was also uh, children of the corn, right. And you yep. think about, yep. and, you know, again, no adults and you see what ha happens. And I, I just would have liked to see more of that in this episode, you know, yeah, I would have liked to seen like fighting in between uh, all yeah. the kids as well. You know, some sort of conflict okay. internally there as well. And, and it's and who, sorry. And whoever said it earlier too is like there, there would have been more of them. You know, and you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're talking a little tiny. I think it was Ted that actually mentioned that where it's like this little tiny cell of kids. Like literally, right. that's all that's there. There's Pretty like cool elements. It just needed. I think looking back in time, it needed more. Yeah, like okay, well, because the premise of the of the whole planet is that they were trying to develop develop some kind of um, anti aging or some kind right. of immor immortality drug, and yeah. it killed the adults, but it made the it worked on the kids. But there's they're still aging just it slowly. just slowed them down. Yeah, yeah, they, for every was it a month for every hundred years or something is what they say. Uh, so it's only been three months yeah. in terms of how much they've aged since that time the issue i have is they basically say that like once they kind of hit puberty that's kind of it for them right like they're they're pretty much done at that point and they'll die but that fucking one kid uh which is the the chap that we we're just talking about like he's clearly past puberty like there's no fucking question the first one that died or are you john no john john so john is clearly past puberty like there's no doubt in my mind. The like, first that guy, guy that comes out over the tricycle, he was clearly past puberty. Too. He was he was like past mortgage. Like he was yeah. like he was second old. mortgage. Yeah, he was on the second mortgage <laughs> at that point, and it's like you know he was probably going through the you know buying a sports car and dating younger women type thing. But you know it, it's it's yeah I, I it. It, it, it's still that part. That's the only thing that really hurts this episode other than the dialogue is just that fucking that dynamic between those two characters just just destroyed the whole thing for me. And and the worst thing is, Adam, quite honestly, I, so this one I didn't watch on Netflix. I actually watched it on my Plex server because I have a copy of the season. So on my Plex server, it gives me a little detail and it's like basically talking about how like the kids run the planet, right? And I'm like, fuck yeah, this is going to be great, right? And it starts off and I'm like, all right, all right, all right. And then all of a sudden it just, it went downhill and it never came back. I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know why this is so beloved. I really don't. 
Well, just in terms of the plot. Okay, so Miri turns evil after she gets jealous over... I don't think saying, Look turned... at my legs, Captain. Hmm? Yeah, but, but hold on now. She, she, I don't think she turned evil. Like, I think she just got jealous and said, you know... You know you know she's she's a kid well like, she's got jealousy and she's a pre-pubescent right yeah girl like yeah, yeah she's gonna be cool. fucked up in the head like yeah, i have a 13 year old at home she's a little off you she kind of like, put janice rand in danger around that kid with who goes pop pop yeah. with the hammer or whatever or whatever he's gonna do to you um so <laughs> i think she knows he's unstable um of the society that they're living within right yeah. and, and probably the, what they do yeah this what? is a civilized yeah. world and it's also to me it's the point of the episode is that when you delve into this like uncivilized society then you and your kids and you're immature you, you have to strive to be better that's like to me like yeah. what Kirk is trying to say like he's trying to tell them like look you can't keep doing this going down this path because if you do you're going to end up like louise you're going to end up like everybody else, everything's going to go bad for you. You need to listen to me because I'm the only one who can help you help yourself. Like that's kind of like the point of the episode to me, you know? Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, if they made her more crazy, it, I actually probably would have been more okay with this because then at that point, it's like a survival thing for Kirk, you know, whereas it's, you know, if she's, if she's just completely nuts and he's kind of flirting with her just to kind of get her on his side, that would be more acceptable to me. But in this scenario, that's not what's going on. She's really an okay girl for the most part. She's just a little bit jealous. But, you know, she's jealous of Yeoman because, you know, she's Yeoman's there. And uh, apparently that's an issue. And But, you know, if, she, if they made her a little bit more psychotic, I actually would probably be okay with the dynamic. Because at that point, it's more of a survival thing. But Kirk really isn't, you know, it, it, it's it's got the premise of... Kirk's doing it to, you know, get the information and get what he wants out of things. But in Which reality, that's work. not how it comes off. No. You know, you, so know, you know what else too is that as far as the role role playing of the time is, you know, Janice Rand again, very maternal, really caring about the kids. Where are they getting enough to eat? How are we, how are we, you know, how are yes. you living? All that kind of thing. You know, while the guys, who cares? We got to get better. Yeah. Right. Only yeah, the and, only the women care about the little ones. She's I always asking me about the little ones. Well, it's a maternal instinct thing, and you know, I I, I will tell you, you know, that my wife cares a lot more about the welfare of my kids, you know, in certain <laughs> situations than I notice. Uh, you know, I'll be like, yeah, you can go play with the drill. It's fine. You know, you know how it works. You know, where you know, Candace is like, no, <laughs> like. You know. So, you know, I, I think I think women naturally have that. And it's, you know, it makes sense for the yeoman to, uh, you know, for her to kind of take that role while she's there, you know, so that that to me is fine. I, I, I think that was a, a decent touch. But yeah, like the, the guys are just like, let's get that shit figured out and get out of here, you know. Whereas, you know, she's just kind of like, are the kids okay? Have you had enough to eat? You know, should we make you something? You know, <laughs> it's like, Okay. Yeah, she has that weird duality. Dad, She's like Eddie Crocker of the group. I got. I just noticed uh, this is the second time that uh, that McCoy has uh, taken a serious hit of of uh, serum. That's yeah, cool. I wanted to talk about this because okay, so after Kirk gives his speech to the kids and somehow convinces them that they will die, um, and that they come back together, this is just in time for McCoy, who they kind of run out of time because without their communicators, they can't test out their formula is a cure. Um, so they, so, so when Spock walks off, uh, McCoy decides to take it upon himself to inject himself with the cure. Luckily it paid off. Um, and he, it worked, but 
How about that? How about that? Um, but yeah, what, there was another episode where he does this. He injects himself with a cure or something like that. Oh, like sort that, of. It was the city on the edge of forever where he got injected. Remember when he go murderers, assassins, murderers, murderers, assassins. How can I forget? Imagine if, imagine if he did that at the end of this episode. That would have been amazing. If he starts like going off after the kids, assassins. So then they have to fight McCoy, and McCoy's like going after the kids, trying to kill them. It would be amazing. That would be great. That would be amazing. They could have yeah, made that a movie was an of that. Dental injection, though. Just so it was an accidental injection in that episode. I feel like Spock did that, though. I think Spock injected himself at but some point yeah, in an episode know, with a McCoy cure. and his selfless axe. You know, I gotta you know, take one for the crew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was a little surprised it was him, but at the same time, not. Yeah, but that's sort of the and then and then that's it. Like the disease is cured. Uh, did you with the effect though with the Spock's hands on McCoy's face as the blemishes are fading away or whatever? Good. Good. I was like, they must have just locked somebody's hands on DeForest Kelly's face, uh, uh, you know, or glue or something with the various stages of makeup that they would have to go through. Um, yeah, it looked good. Worked. It worked pretty well for the time. And by the way, I mean, the actual virus itself looked pretty disgusting and gross. I mean, who'd run that on them? I mean, yeah, they did a good job on the earlier makeup in the episode. But at the end, it was like, it's not too good anymore. But I thought the makeup was pretty good at the beginning. But at the end of the episode, you're kind of like, oh, it's just like a really big scab. (laughs) (laughs) Would have been cooler if like they got like, you know, they got the vaccine in or whatever. And all of a sudden, all these things just kind of fell off. I wonder how much like, like you floor, know, on a black and white TV. Sometimes I'm like, I wonder if I watch this on a black and white TV, how it would play. Because that's how many people would have watched it. Yeah, and it probably would have been, uh, it probably would have been a little bit more eerie. I think, um, especially in some of the scenes where the kids are in like the rooms and stuff like that. I, I would imagine in black and white that would look a lot more eerie. Sure. Yeah, maybe that football helmet really would have paid off then. But um, last question on the plot before we move on to fun facts. Um, it says here in the synopsis that I'm reading on the Star Trek wiki that after Rand goes missing, a lovesick Kirk becomes worried and lost in thought in, uh, as to Rand's whereabouts. Does everyone feel that Kirk was lovesick for Janice Rand when she went missing? Or was he just concerned with no. the absence of a crew member? Absolutely not. <laughs> not yeah. lovesick. No, even when she's like coming on to him, even when like I know she's got the disease, but Kirk is just like he's like they're there. Okay, moving on. Like pull uh, yourself together. You're a Starfleet officer. He is. I got a younger model over there. He's like, That's what I got. Yeah, he's, yeah, and he's like, "What's McCoy doing?" <laughs> this is right before the community games get stolen. Okay, yeah. just just wondering. All right, Jeff, you got some fun facts. Oh, let's bring up the banner. Yes, sir. Fun facts. Okay. Leonard Nimoy was asked to allow his children to appear in this episode, but Leonard Nimoy refused, saying that he would not allow his children to be involved in show business. However, his son, Adam Nimoy, would go on to be the director <laughs> and would direct... Uh, and the- Mary Jedzer Dax. Yeah, later on. Yes. Uh, right. Uh, okay, so this is the first of several parallel Earth ideas that the original series did because they wanted to save money this is the first though this is the first um 
uh, because they didn't want to do alien sets, costumes, makeup, etc. Every planet is like this is exactly like ancient Rome, or this is exactly like 1920s gangster Chicago, or this is exactly <laughs> like this. Or this is- <laughs> what I is in the CBS studio lot? Had they had <laughs> money, they probably, you know, would have. Not yeah, done. well. And a lot of and a lot of a lot of like uh, TV shows do that. Like it's not unheard of. And this planet has a Nazi Germany. And this planet has <laughs> goes on and on. But yeah. So, okay, I'll... unlike Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner allowed his uh, daughter to be in this episode. The girl that uh, held uh, um, the girl held by Kirk as he rushes to the lab with his newly recovered communicator is his daughter Melanie. Oh, didn't know that. Elizabeth. Melanie. Melanie. That was Elizabeth. Uh, it says here it's Elizabeth. Maybe she plays Melanie. Unless the fun facts wrong. It could be. Could be the fun facts are wrong. Either way. Still interesting. It's his daughter. Let's just leave it. It's his there. daughter. They might be wrong. All right. Although all <laughs> the children on the planet die when they reach puberty, Michael J. Pollard, who we talked about who plays John, was twenty seven years old, which I already mentioned earlier, but twenty seven. Looks and it older. showed. He looks and like it showed. He looks, he looks like older, and they cast him as somebody younger. He looks like he's like forty-three. <laughs> <laughs> Easily, he doesn't. Even, yeah, that's just my opinion. But he looks rough. Uh, he's got some. You think he? Looks I was like, like what? Like, what kid do you think looks like this? What teenager did I ever meet who looked like this guy? That, like, yeah. that disagrees. I that thought, I thought he totally looked like. I uh, I I think Ted, you need to go to the optometrist. <laughs> he wasn't wearing his glasses, so yeah, put your glasses on there, Ted. But we're watching these. Okay, so the outdoor <laughs> scenes of this episode were filmed on the same back lot streets that they used to create Mayberry on the Andy Griffin show. There you go. Would you? Would you? He's literally Griffin farts over here. It's a bit like that was. Oh no. <laughs> This is not that's cruel and unusual. I'd say I'm already entertained more than this episode. Oh my god! I'm just gonna put I'm just gonna put this on screen for. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Ted, tell me how this guy's 16. (laughs) I think he looks about 14. Uh, (laughs) He's going bald. (laughs) I can even tell by Adam's face. There's no way in hell he's buying that. (laughs) You know. You know about this this actor, Michael? He, he's got that voice, right? And you always recognize him in every movie he's been yeah. in. But he never, even when he's old, he never really changed. You know? No, his well, in the minute I saw him, I'm like, that's the guy from Scrooge. You're right. He forever stayed for like 40 years old. Yeah, and he's got that cherub cherub face. That's why he looks that fat babies with arrows. Kind I think of thing. you should have to look at him for the rest of the fun facts. I just think he's yeah, yeah, maybe movie, um, with Steve Martin, and Roxanne. As one of the was he in Roxanne too? Oh my god, he was funny in that movie too. So, yeah, he was in a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. House of a Thousand Corpses too. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's been in a lot of things. Uh, he died last year, actually. He did. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, okay, so. Uh, but but for me, he was always in Star Trek first, and that's how. <laughs> actually, he was in a lot of things before this. Actually, yeah. yeah. At his uh, wow. Thing, yeah. He was in. He was in. Um, where is it? I was I saw it. Uh, he was in Gunsmoke. He was on Route 66. He was on Lost in Space. He was on 
the the only role that he ever made me cry in or come close to crying is Scrooge, though. Uh, he dies in the he dies in the sewer. Those are all great 1960s uh, shows, by the way. Lost in Space, Gunsmoke, Asbestos. And- I don't know if I'd go so far to say Lost in Space was a great TV uh, series, but my dad doesn't watch anything after the 60s, so he doesn't know. That's not true. He, I had the Deep Space Nine station as my desktop. He goes, "What is that?" I go, "It's Deep Space Nine. <laughs> What's that?" <laughs> oh. it, I agree. It was a good, good episode. It was a good series. It wasn't great, but I mean, it spun off Voyager, and uh, you know, Lost in Space, and, and it also, I mean, the remake was fantastic. Have you have you watched that? Oh, the one on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, bad. it's really good. Yeah. It's already canceled though. No, yeah. I thought they were doing a third, third season. Uh, they might be doing one more season, yeah, but it's already canceled. I know that, so they right. might already have some. Anyway, this isn't Lost in Space talk. Great. <laughs> this is fun facts, and it fun facts. facts. Fun. And we keep breaking it up. Look, look at that kid in the football helmet. Have you ever seen an alien before like that? <laughs> I didn't know if I was watching Goonies or Star Trek. <laughs> so, so Ted, how old is he? Three. <laughs> But you know, I'll give you a fun fact. Is the reason I have this bump on my nose is I had a helmet like that, and we were playing football in the park one day, and I had exactly a helmet like that with a big R on each side for the Rough Riders, and a guy pulled the, the face mask down on my nose and broke my nose. So that's how I got a broken nose with a helmet like that. That happened to me in hockey once, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's not I didn't fun. Know, I didn't know you ever broke your nose. Interesting. I never knew you played football either. This uh, this whole fun fact has really gone downhill here. <laughs> We're learning fun facts about Ted. Fun yeah. facts about Ted now. Let me tell you about 1969. I was playing football. Okay. <laughs> I broke my nose, that kid, but it was an Ottawa Rough Riders helmet, so it's quite special. So all is good. <laughs> this episode has got so much for us. So yeah, so no, much. we're so bored of it's, this episode. We have it's to. It's a treasure. We're talking treasure. about Ted breaking his nose. <laughs> I'm learning. I learned something about my father I never knew about. This is That's a moment. Good. There That's you go. Good. <laughs> uh, so Captain Kirk tells Janice Rand, "I never quote. I never get involved with older women, Yeoman. Grace Lee Whitney was older than William Shatner. Uh, well, still what? Well, so she's dead now. But so I guess not anymore. Did Grace Lee Whitney die? Yeah, she died. Yeah. She's the omen. Uh, Janice Rand. Oh, Janice, Janice Rand. She, she was in the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, she's in Star Trek 1, the movie where, you know, the transporter she, accident? She, she she kills people in the transporter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though he, he says goes, it's not her fault. We already he goes, it's not your fault, Rand, but it's kind of... It's kind of, it's kind of uh, it totally was her fault. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah that's okay. So, so, so just to be clear then, so she was in the first season of the original series and didn't come back until... Star they Trek brought 1. her back for the movie because they felt bad. And then they didn't bring her back again until Star Trek Six. No, when she yes. was serving. Oh, that's not sure. She's in Voyage Home too. Oh, she's in Voyage Home. Okay. Oh, that's right. So, she is in Voyage Home. Yeah. And uh, and then she's again in Six with Su- on Sulu's ship. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. right. She's, that's she's right. serving yeah. with Sulu in Six. Yeah. And she's in the Voyager episode where that's all crossing over. Voyager's right. terrible. Who cares? Oh right, yeah. She's telling uh, Tuvok, "Don't don't backtalk Sulu." Yeah, don't backtalk <laughs> Sulu. He don't like it. <laughs> I know from back in on the old days when I was serving. With Kirk and Miri and all that. So Kirk said he doesn't get involved with older women. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this is the only episode in which the men's Enterprise uniforms tops are revealed to be fastened by hidden zippers. 
as shown when Kirk and McCoy's tunics are open to the neck, which is why I would say, what the hell's going on with the uniforms in this episode? Ah. That's what I was talking about. There yeah, well, they, they're, there's a, yeah, there is a zipper right here that that seals up because it's not a it's not a full pullover because that would ruin the makeup, right? So they put on that black shirt first, and then, uh, but you, you kind of saw this in in when they did the reboot for JJ uh, Abrams, right? They, like, remember how Kirk is just wearing that black shirt for the whole thing? Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, have a, he had it for a good chunk of it anyway. Right, and so that the colored shirt goes over top of that, like ah. sort of a thing. But it was also so yeah, um, so it's basically so Spock could get his shirt on without ruining his ears. But why they were unzipping it here, I don't know. So they can take the shirt off. So they can breathe. Yeah. Uh, probably the same reason they had the stupid like flap thing open in the movies. Uh, the flaps were terrible. Um, okay, so this is... The, yeah, sorry. Adrian Spies considerably padded out his script with lengthy scenes and, dis- uh, and descriptions and stage directions. And when they were edited out of this episode... Uh, they were found to be approximately 10 minutes too short, leading to a late rewrite of the script by uh, Stephen W. Karabatsos. This, combined with the generally poor reaction to the story, led to Gene Roddenberry deciding to never let spies write any more stories for the show. So this is why, Dave, when you pointed out that he had only written one story, that is why. Oh, there you go. He, he Makes was, sense. He wrote directions and everything. Like He was way too detailed. It was just like, just write the script. Yeah. He probably also wrote Lolita. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe even the professional. Yes. Uh, okay. During the Friday night end of the week party on 26th of August, after filming this episode, Grace Lee Whitney claims to have been sexually assaulted by a member of the show whom she identifies only as the executive in her autobiography, The Longest Trek, My Tour of the Galaxy. She was fired soon afterwards, strengthening her depression and alcohol addiction. So fun fact. That's uh, not fun at all. <laughs> so, no, I know. That's uh, that's that's not fun fact. So, so, this she was, so she was harassed and then fired. Huh. Yeah. Me too. That's there it is. It starts then. It's Crazy. The 60s. Well, it's the 60s. And, That's brutal. Uh, me too. It's a, you know, yeah, she's one of the original Me Too's, um, for sure. Uh, and the, and the, the same thing. Uh, yeah, like, so wait, so who did she? Yeah, so that's why they got rid of her, I guess, eh? In season after season one. Uh, I wonder who the executive was. Probably Roddenberry. Probably. And, it was either Roddenberry or was Gene Kuhn, I bet. Or something like that. I've 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 done a lot of reading on Roddenberry, and I'll tell you right now, he was as sketchy as shit. Like he that that With guy particularly. Like yeah. yeah, you know what? I love him for creating this universe that I'm I, I adore. But you know what? Past that, not a guy that I'm really all that fond of. No, so, especially on some of the stuff I recently read about him. So he resembles the Kirk character in some ways, um, uh, to an extreme. Yeah, yeah. I would take Shatner over Roddenberry any day. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, that was a downer fact. Right, but it was it's important to know. Uh, True. Because it was literally right after they filmed this episode that yeah. happened. So That's terrible. Uh, John Decker and Scott Dweck are Grace Lee Whitney's sons. As an adult, Scott would return in a feature film as a Vulcan Enterprise crew member in Star Trek, the motion picture. Is that the one she killed? In the transporter? So. Oh my god, she killed her she own killed kid. Her son in the transporter? That's even worse. Yeah, I think I think so. And 
it's funny how like you know uh, Nimoy wouldn't let his kids be around, uh, you know. But cool. and she well, got that's probably what fueled his son to get into producing well, yeah, and I, stuff like that. Say, Shatner's yeah. daughter was there. Yeah. Uh, Whitney's kids were there. All the director's kids were there. So yeah. spot Nimoy must have came across. They were paid a dime. <laughs> I think Nimoy would have came across a bit of like a like get over yourself wet blanket. Yeah. Yeah, but that but I I can understand that because Hollywood is not necessarily somewhere you. Well, if you've read some of the Nimoy stuff, he really was kind of like the odd man out of everybody. Like he was, he even knew it. So he was submerged. That's yeah, he was, he was, <laughs> was he was the wet blanket to everybody. Yeah. Right. He was very, he was too into his character uh, yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, okay. So, okay. Uh, the sound of Kirk's phaser firing is unique to this episode. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but so th- so is the appearance of the beam itself, which oscillates in and out of the emitter. So you know they hadn't quite worked the kinks out of the phaser. It's also the smaller phaser, like the like the more it's like, like a type the travel one, one. Yeah, it's like the travel phaser or the hidden phaser. Um, and also the transporter beam was were blue. I think at the beginning too. That seemed a bit odd. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, guys, this is the one of the eight episodes that Janice Rand appears where she actually leaves the Enterprise. Every other episode, she's on the ship. She never leaves. But this is the only episode where Her only away team mission yeah. is this? So that's probably why you're like, why is she here? I don't get this. You know, it's probably. Seems out of place. Yeah. Doesn't she have reports to do or coffee to make? Like, yeah. what's going on here? It's like, it kind of reminds me of that scene in The Fugitive where he's like, Newman, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know, thinking. He's like, how about you think about getting me a cup of coffee and a, <laughs> a little bit of those sprinkles? Well, there is a there is a couple <laughs> different appearances of her where she is getting coffee. So, uh, mm-hmm. okay. we we watched an episode recently that had her getting coffee. But anyway, uh, okay. So Phil Morris and Iona Morris were the children of Mission Impossible star Greg Morris, and would both appear as characters in later incarnations of Star Trek. And I'm guessing <laughs> would have shot on the same lot. And I probably just, you know, I yeah, that's true. Yeah, because when when Nimoy lost his job on Star Trek, he literally just walked across the street and went to yep. Mission Impossible. Yep. Um, and he worked there for two seasons, I think. After that. Well, there you go. Uh, this is the first appearance of McCoy's portable biocomputer. I didn't know there were more. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the. Yeah, sorry. Um, okay, so I'm not gonna read that one. That one's a book. This is the first episode to feature outdoor shooting after Star Trek: The Cage, featuring the redress exterior sets from the Andy Griffith Show, which I've previously m- mentioned, uh, on a 40, 40 acre back lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, did you guys like the outdoor stuff? Do you do you think it was you know? It was bland. It was pretty bland, right? It did what it, it did what it needed to do, I guess. Right. It uh, didn't wow me. Okay. Yeah, it's not like I'm like, wow, this is amazing set or anything. It's just well, they're under there. the sun, not yeah. lights. That's right. Yes. Um, okay, so Adrian Spies, the guy who Roddenberry fired, basically his original script draft featured a much closer relationship between Kirk and Janice Rand, which probably would have been better, guys, because it would have been yes. less creepy. Okay. Uh, the font for, of the closing credits in this episode is different than any other first season episode. Is, and I did notice that. Yeah, when I never cre- noticed that. Yeah, when the credits come on, they're completely... But I was in a real hurry to turn it off, so that makes sense. Yeah, so but, you know, so that's interesting. And then I, then I had to go, like, wash. I felt dirty. 
Right. Any other facts? Shower after. <laughs> I had a few other ones here that were good. Um, That's Dave's way of saying we've gone too long. <laughs> I mean, we. Uh, okay, yeah, this is the one I wanted to, uh, to share with you guys. Leonard Nimoy and Grace Lee Whitney both named this as one of their favorite episodes of the show. William Shatner was more critical, however, feeling that the story dragged and that the initial hook of Another Earth was interesting but didn't amount to anything. Yeah, it doesn't amount to anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's like, am I really that off? Am I really that off base here, guys? Like, did you guys all love this? Because, like, I, I, like, am I just like fucked up or something? Like, this was terrible. Well, that's fine. Let's let's quantify it and let's rate this. So, um, like, it's no space hippies. Don't get me wrong, but now, yeah, space hippies, which was um, Uh, way to Eden. Way to Eden. Where's that? I think I gave it a two point, uh, 2.0 maybe. But the music in Eden was a lot better. Music was <laughs> like, you, you gave that a two. So, Jody, do you want to give Miri a rating? Yeah, I'll give it a two and a half. <laughs> no, in all honesty, um, eh, let's give it about a 4.5. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't total garbage, but it was a lot of garbage. Okay. Adam. All right, I had way more hopes for this episode than I um, than actually I, when I saw it again. I was like, "Oh boy, what did I do?" Um, so I'm going to go down to a seven on this one. Okay, because you know what? I had forgotten about Mir- the Miri Kirk relationship. I really did, and uh, it didn't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, I would go about a six point eight. Eight. Okay. <laughs> Jeff? Three and a half, I heard. Oh, thank God someone else feels the way that I do here. Okay, I'm just looking at terms of like, where do I rank this in sort of the other episodes? Um, I'm going to go with six, but it's it's pretty generous, I think. So, that averages us at a 5.6. As mentioned, this is pretty well regarded, this episode. It has a 7.1 on IMDb. So between our score and that score, it averages out at 6.3. So below our average uh, of 7.1, 7.4, whatever. So uh, a little bit below average. So um, that's in the books. We have the rating. Hey, Dave. Yes. I, I almost wonder, though, you know, in the in the post Me Too world, you know, would, I wonder how often they come up with these ratings, like for IMDb. Like, I, I don't know. Oh, how. I don't know. Probably, especially for an old series, it's probably not been looked at for a long time. Yeah, IMDb is very, very rose-colored glasses heavy. I think. It, well, it who goes out of their way to rate something on IMDb, especially a television episode? But yeah. um, if there's a better website we can look at to kind of get a, a, a well, barometer. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not planning that. I just wondered, you know, if you knew, that's all. No, um, yeah, like in this particular case, like only 3,000 people on IMDb have rated it and it averaged at, at 7.1. So it's some, it's a sample. It's a, it's a decent sample, but it could be a, it could be a lot older. It, yeah, like this could all also be a lot of people that just, you know, really enjoyed this type of story and was okay with it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That could be um, 3,000 pedophiles, though. We don't know. Dad, do you have a a suggestion for next week's episode? I do indeed. Okay. The Return of the Archons. Return of the Archons. I am not familiar with this. 
Okay. I always um, have to see a clip before I can before I can uh, not by title at least. I'm not. That's a season one episode. Oh, this is the one with Kirk in like the nurse outfit. Or not what? Kirk, uh, Spock. He's got this kind her. of like, I mean, not nurse, like a, a nun type outfit. I'm almost positive this is it. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, this is the one. Okay, I know what this one is. Do you guys want to hear a glow, a glowing review of Miri from IMDb? That's sure. A 10 star review. Okay. A 10 star. Okay. 10 star review. Miri is one of the strongest, most gripping episodes of the original Star Trek, providing a pretty shocking spin on the age-old post-apocalyptic Earth scenario, except for the fact none of this takes place on Earth, obviously. The location is a planet, which is an exact replica of Earth, right? And then she goes on to say, uh, you know, same comments, uh, you know, just goes talks about Dr. McCoy quickly comes to the conclusion that the virus works only on individuals who have already reached puberty, with every crew member of the Enterprise, apart from Spock and Cole, starting to show symptoms. She's basically just uh, giving uh, us a summary of the plot. Summary of the plot. Like, she's not saying why it's good, right? And this is, the, I think, the problem is like people will, like, will watch it and go, wow, a lot of cool things happened in uh, 10 out of 10. Or they watched it ages ago and went, yeah, it was fun. I remember that episode. Yeah. You know, and then they just rate it, right? Yeah. I would like to know the statistics between, uh, you know, convicted pedophiles and people who like this episode. That's what I would really like to know. It says the oh. fact that that it's a tense and scary story helps a lot too. Intense <laughs> and scary. I don't know about that, but all right. Yeah, <laughs> there was some intense, but it had nothing to you know do what? with the story. It's scary, all right. Yeah, there is some <laughs> scary there, but it ain't the kind of scary we're thinking. Right. Hide your kids, kind of scary. That's what that is. Now, the return of the Archons. This is the one where Kirk uh, dresses up like Colonel Sanders. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's exciting. Um, <laughs> Dave, I love you know. that reaction. That's amazing. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> that's something. Okay. So we'll be back. <laughs> Always next week. the positive. Yeah. So we'll be back next week to cover Return of the Archons. But that is us uh, closing the book on Miri. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation and this podcast and this review of this episode as we broke it all down. Um, and we'll be back here on Live Long and Podcast. We have other Star Trek-related podcasts, including Thursday nights. Tomorrow, we're going to be doing Star Trek Lower Decks as we go into the sixth or seventh episode. I think it's the seventh episode. Um, we'll also be here on Friday night for Star Trek Radio Theater doing an original series episode, actually. We're doing The City on the Edge of Forever. That'll next. be fun. <laughs> it'll be a lot of crazy voices for that one i think yeah we're bringing in mott for that one dad oh mott well that's an instant classic right there if it's mott did you know that yes no you knew it classic. it's a classic i i'm gonna be playing joan collins so get ready for that um oh, jeff uh, now i'm definitely listening to it jeff's playing the guardian of forever so uh all right gotta, there's a lot of uh, uh, interesting stuff going on and yeah mott's coming in to play mccoy murderers assassins uh, that Amazing. will be that will be Mott. So if you want to check that out, I know Adam, you don't know Mott, but he's a crazy character, fun guy from, yeah. from Philly. Honestly, so. if you listen to it, you'll know Mott. All right, you'll know. You can't help but know him. And uh, yeah, and so you'll that's coming Friday Mott. night. And then Tuesdays we do Star Trek: D Space Nine rewatches. We're just getting into the early part of the season two. We got through the Bajoran trilogy. Whew! And now yeah, we're ready to hurt. move on. We're on to some more episodic uh, related episodes in the early part of season two. 
Come along with us. It's a three and a half year journey. We're only six months in. It's not too late to come along. <laughs> it's not too late. It's not too late. And then our other channel, Super Made of Brothers Podcasting, where we cover Big Brother Season 22 USA uh, three times a week, Sundays, usually Wednesdays and Thursdays. This week it was a Tuesday, so it's a little bit off. So check that out. And our other channel, Trivial Debates, where we do our monthly uh, debate show on movie, sports, music, uh, and more. Yeah. So When's the next I, one of that one? Uh, so that will be September 27th. And, and I believe a, I'm on that one. You are on that one. Jeff and I are a team for that one. You're with Kevin, and we have Jamil and Chris with Ashley Miller judging. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's Check that out. Craziness on September 27th. If not, uh, you know that. I think that's all for tonight. Make sure to subscribe and let us know what you think and comment, and uh, we'll check you next time. Uh, I'm Dave Mater on behalf of Jody Simpson, uh, Adam Woodward, my dad Ted, and my brother Jeff. Uh, have a great night and live long and podcast. Have a good one. Oh, thank you.